what's going on guys welcome to the upper hand fantasy podcast thank you guys for joining appreciate you guys as always um now we have been doing as a lot of you guys already know we're in the middle of exploring all of the potential fantasy relevant prospects coming into the nfl we started with quarterbacks and tight ends we did our, our, our running back prospect podcast last week so if you haven't checked those out i would highly suggest you do that uh but you have to listen to this po- podcast first this week is wide receivers uh, and, and we suggest, uh, and we suggested earlier in a couple couple of weeks ago that we were going to have a guest. Uh, we, we didn't want to like say for sure that he was going to be here, uh, but he is here with us. Uh, we are welcoming wide receiver connoisseur. Uh, I, I was going to say wide receiver provocateur, but I, I, maybe, maybe we can maybe we can roll with <laughs> maybe that a too. little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> uh but but matt Harmon is joining us for this episode matt thank you so much for taking out the time and joining us hey guys thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it uh like we were talking about before uh we got rolling here love the fact that it's late uh late ish you know on the west coast uh i never get to pod this late so i appreciate this when you guys said 8 30 pacific i'm like let's roll Let's roll with that because, like, I'm in the middle of here, you know, charting these guys out anyways, finishing up work for the night. So it's a good time. It's fresh. It's fresh uh, for me, fresh on the mind, some of these receivers. And I, I can't wait to talk about this class. I feel like I'm just kind of finishing uh, the work on it, and it's such a fascinating group. Uh, so I'm, I'm really hyped to talk about it with you guys tonight. Awesome, awesome. And then I, I, I don't want to leave out Joe. Joe's also here. Yeah, I'm also fantasy, here for us. <laughs> fantasy football analyst. <laughs> uh you know he's always here every week but i just wanted to shout out my guy matt real quick if that's okay joe no no you, as you should as you should i would be offended <laughs> if you said my name before his <laughs> <laughs> no i should i'm sorry man i'm sorry man you, you're, you're the og so i'm sorry um sure, sure. so so for those who don't know uh matt is the creator uh, of something called reception perception where he breaks down wide receivers and their route running how well they win against man against zone how often they win uh on certain routes um, and, and I think it gives him a, a very good picture of who the best route winners are in the NFL, the best separators in the NFL. Uh, and he wraps that info up in a nice, pretty bow and shares that with the football world. And, and we're all grateful that he does that, because if you have been following his work, you would have known that guys like John Brown was a baller. Right. Even with his injuries early in his career because of a sickle cell trait and all that uh, limited him early on having that information paid off. Uh, you would have known that Stefan Diggs was one of the best, if not the best route runner in the league. And despite uh, him not putting up ridiculous numbers early in his career, it would have helped you jump on his redraft value uh, after a team paid a first rounder for him to become, you know, their wide receiver one. Right. Uh, you would have known you, you would have been on the Tyler Lockett train as well. You would have known that <laughs> once Doug, Doug Baldwin was no longer the guy there and Paul Richardson left that Lockett would be highly regarded. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can go on and on, but basically he gives you a like leg up, um, you know. So, so Matt, I, I apologize for the soliloquy, uh, and I know that you offered reception perception with the fantasy footballers draft kit over the past couple of seasons. Uh, but please tell everybody where they can get your reception perception this year. Listen, if you want to go through the history of reception perception and talk about all the biggest hits, uh, I will never stop you uh, from doing that because I'm, I'm proud of some of the things that have come out of the series. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, we are at a new home now. It's receptionperception.com. The series is on its own, standalone product. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much uh, for, for the round of applause there, Joe. And, yeah, no, look, I, I'm, I'm so excited about this offseason too because, you know, there's a lot of reasons why – 
the site is now a standalone thing. You know, it was a great partnership with the fantasy footballers, but, you know, they all things kind of come to an end there. Uh, you know, those guys were great in terms of boosting the series to new heights. And I, I think now in its own venture, we can really take things to the next level. Uh, my old buddy from NFL Network, James Coe, also got a state of the Yahoo as well. Uh, he's going to be, you know, tight in the picture there as well. A huge part of what I'm going to be doing with reception perception, basically, uh, I'm hoping to offer more insight and more player analysis than ever before. Now that the site's on its own, uh, people want to go subscribe to the site right now. They can. The paywall's live, active. We are uh, accepting submissions, and most importantly, there's already a ton of content up there. Not only on some of these rookies, some of these draft prospects we're going to be talking about tonight. There's also a ton of NFL analysis from on these free agent guys. Uh, that were already on the site. In addition to for the first time ever, if you want to be one of the sicko VIP subscribers, right. you can actually get back. Uh, you can get all of the reception perception data that's ever been collected on NFL players. So we're talking about data going back to the 2014 season. Um, I've never offered that before. So that's just one of the many new and exciting things that are uh, that's up with reception perception, man. So uh, like I said, I'm, I'm gassed up for this off season. Uh, it's hard not to be excited with all of this exciting stuff going on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember last year. Um, I, I don't remember. I had you uh, on my podcast for an episode, and I asked you, "I'm like, when are you going to get reception perception its own like thing?" And one of the things you said, you're like, "It's coming. It's coming. Not this year, but it is coming." So um, I'm very happy to see that you now have your own home for it. Um, I, I checked it out earlier. I love all the different packages that you can get and. I saw a ton of articles already up, so it, it looks awesome. Congrats. It's awesome. Yeah, no, and, and having different tiers and different packages was important to me because, you know, there have been people for years that have hit me up about, like, I, I want access to all of that historic reception perception data, you know, the stuff going back to that 2014 season. Um, I know everybody out there is, is not trying to, you know, comb through seven spreadsheets with, like, 300 <laughs> players on it or something like that. But there are those sickos, hence the reason for for the uh, the most expensive tier is the sicko sure. package because I think you truly have to be sick. You know, like not as sick as me, right? To actually have done all that that yeah. game charting, <laughs> but but reasonably sick enough to get it to get a wing in the hospital there. Uh, so there's something for those people. But like the least expensive package, the basic package is just the profiles. Like so, if you just want you know, 300 words on less than 300 words on players that I think is going to be good. You know, like, all right, cool. Like Harmon likes Curtis Samuel this year in Washington. Sweet. I know that I'll pay 20 bucks and like, uh, you know, I'll go draft my redraft team or whatever with my buddies. Not a big investment. Like I said, I wanted there to be a little something for everybody. Cause I think that, you know, no matter what you want to get, like you want to learn the ins and outs of route running and everything about the wide receiver position, obviously reception perception can bring that to you. If you just want a couple of sleepers for your draft or to know that, yeah, Stefan Diggs can be an elite wide receiver when he lands with the Buffalo bills and whatever, like the next Stefan Diggs, what's the next situation like that reception perception can bring that as well. So it's, it, it is something for everybody. Awesome. Exactly. And honestly, guys, like you and, and Matt mentioned it, it, it's an affordable package. I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice. It's worth every penny. Uh, and it's a must going into your draft season. I'll, I'll be, I already got my package. I'll be referencing it, you know, in my content at times, uh, you know, but obviously like, you know, he's going to have all of these players chartered out and it's going to give you a big advantage going, you know, into your, into your draft season, whether it's, you know, the fact that he's doing dynasty, uh, you know, these rookies and these prospects is going to give you a big leg up there as well. Uh, notice how I'm not saying upper hand. 
Um, I'm doing that on purpose there. But uh, okay, now we're, we're going to get into the weeds here with these wide receivers. But first, like, I, I, I just want to acknowledge you for something else, Matt. And, and that's your, your weight loss journey from a few years ago. And I was following that a little bit. I read the blog post that you put out. Um, and it's obviously, you know, an ongoing journey, right, for everyone who tries yeah. to, to maintain a healthy lifestyle. And you went through a serious transformation. And honestly, it's just really inspiring. And I just, I felt like I needed to bring it up. This is the first time me and you were having a conversation, right? So to me, yeah. it's not inspiring for someone who wants to lose weight, uh, but just in general, for anyone who thinks something is unachievable, right? The way you set your sights on something and did all the little things you needed to do over a long period of time to get there. And I'm sure it's still an ongoing journey for you. Yeah, well, number one, again, I appreciate you. Appreciate you for the kind words there, of course. But you mentioned an ongoing journey, I think, is the key thing here. And, you know, I wrote that article that you referenced, I think it was like 2016. So it was, you know, it was a long time ago now at this point. Uh, a lot has happened since, since 2016 in my life and the world at large, right? So, um, you know, ongoing journey is the key thing. And I think talking about it this year, because, you know, I'll, I get asked about this occasionally on podcasts and on shows or whatever. Um, you know, it's a, it's a topic that's interesting to a lot of people, right? Like trying to get healthy, trying to get fit, you know, everybody goes through that stage of their life. Uh, and I think this year I've really had to, to take a re-evaluation of what that means to me, because, you know, just to be honest with you guys, like, um, it's been a tough year for, you know, I, I feel like everybody says it's been a tough year, but literally from, you know, like March to, to this past March, let's just call it that, like a calendar 12 months, not like. 2021 and 2021 is looking good. We're, we're doing all right, but 2020 was tough, right? You know, right. gyms were closed. Uh, there was, I, I live in LA, like my gym up the street closed for good, never came back. I, I'm sure, uh, um, you know, someone else will buy it and, and, you know, it'll be reopened at some point. Um, but, you know, and I, I went to the other gym I went to was my office gym. Well, I haven't been to that office since <laughs> I haven't been to the Yahoo office since like March of last year it's been a long time so you know you have to kind of reevaluate that and i think this year really um put that how much it's an investment into perspective um you know i i, I definitely gained a little bit of weight back not 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 back to you know up up to close to like 320 or whatever i was at at my peak um but certainly um let things slip a little bit uh during these like lockdowns and the quarantines and all that because it just is different you know and she was my girlfriend at the time. She's my fiance now. Shout out to me. Shout out Congrats, to her by the way. So, yeah, appreciate it. But you know, she, uh, she, she like is she's a you know fitness instructor, yoga instructor. So mm -hmm. like doing the at home workout stuff was like perfect for her. You know, like the the hit workouts that you do on YouTube or like taking a couple of um, Zoom yoga classes. But for me, I was like, this is not you know, not work. This is not working. Um, I'm still eating pretty good. We're still doing those workouts, but I still felt like I was gaining weight and, you know, I'm kind of letting that slip. So you sort of have to reevaluate that ongoing journey part of it. Um, I went out and I spent, you know, like days, like searching and stalking Facebook marketplace for like old, you know, gym equipment. I'm like, I've got a garage in here. I don't need to be parking the cars down there anymore. I'm going to be throwing some gym equipment in there. Um, got back, got refocused and everything. So we're on a, we're in a good place now, but like, you know, I got, like I said, I, I got engaged this past year and I felt, um, back in the summer, I was like at the, when I was at my heaviest so during this like last calendar year, I'm looking back at those pictures. Like I hate those, you know, I got engaged. It's, like, it's a great moment. But I look, I feel like I look terrible. You know, I'm sure I don't, but like, I, you know, you feel that way. So it really is an ongoing journey for me. And I think for everybody And like, if, if I, 
like the message of my story, I think changes all the time because the journey for me changes all the time. And, and the biggest thing I would say to folks is like, it's not just, you know, a straight steady climb up. There's a lot of peaks and valleys and a lot of times, you know, because your body changes as you age um, in running back years, dude, I'm, I'm, you know, it's a good thing I talked about wide receivers because of running back years, man, I'm, I'm about to hit that cliff. I'm turning 30 <laughs> this, I'm turning 30 this year. So it's over. Wow. <laughs> Basically like things change, things change as you get older. Right. So it's, it's uh, you just always have to be reevaluating and always like viewing it as that ongoing journey. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 it is a journey. And I think you were able to, and what you talked about is part of that journey, right? I think a lot of people, I think what you mentioned happened to so many people, like what you described was basically what I went through as well. Like I just went back to the gym that I was going to uh, last week. It was the first time I went back into the gym because I got my vaccine, nice. all that. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, luckily I had some, you know, some dumbbells, already because i was working from home before so i had that in my office Smart. otherwise i probably wouldn't have bought any because like you said dude like they were expensive man you could it's find expensive them you you do not realize like how expensive gym equipment is until you try to like put together during, a home gym during a pandemic during the pandemic especially um uh, one of my buddies yeah. like was, and i were we were on the whole thing together like trying to find these deals luckily i found a couple like wholesale places that were you know way i mean i live like right next to the coast here uh in el segundo and in, in right out of la like i'm talking i'm going deep 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 inland like just, <laughs> you know searching for the best possible right, deals. Right, right, uh, but right. it is it's an investment and that's another thing too like this you know, your health and your well-being and your, and your physical health and your mental health is is an investment in yourself and so yeah if you've got to go out and spend uh i would love to just say i'm tr conservatively a few hundred dollars I'm sure right. more than that uh on this stuff you sometimes it does if you're able to uh it's, it's worth the investment for sure. For sure. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad, you know, you were able to get back on track and I think that's the key, right? You know, you slip up, that's fine. You don't have to get mad at yourself. You just get right back on and do what you can and just keep on moving. Right. Um, all right, guys. Uh, so appreciate that. Uh, no, all right, let's get into it guys. Let's get into what we came here for. Uh, let me ask you a question. How long have you charted college wide receivers? I know you've been doing this since 2014. Is that something you've always done or was it only NFL for a while? Yeah, so uh, back when I used to work for NFL Network, I had access to like a full database of like I think literally every college game that's ever. That's amazing. Joe, is Matt cutting off for you too? Yeah, just cutting out a little bit, Matt. Oh, oh I think sorry. that's better now. Nope, no, we're okay. good now. My bad. I'll, I'll just start that section over again. Sure, sure. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, so basically, uh, I used to chart prospects back when I had an access to a film database back at the NFL Network, uh, moving over to a new job at Yahoo Sports. Obviously, some things changed there. And uh, I, so long story short, I, I charted the 2016, 2017, and 2018 draft classes, lost access for 2019 and 2020, which, great stuff. Those were actually good classes. <laughs> so let me tell you what, boys. Like, I'm going back and looking at the – uh, RP databases for some of these 2016 and 2017 classes is like, good Lord, those were some <laughs> absolute, just, just not good, not good, right. not good draft classes there. So uh, I, I do have some prospect data in the database, uh, but not as much nearly as NFL uh, players. So I'm hoping to restock that up with some good players this year. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay. So as far as this draft class goes, uh, 
there are a lot of undersized guys, right? I'm going to put that in air quotes, which I think makes what you're doing even more interesting, right? Um, and we'll get to Jamar Chase. And I think, you know, he's he's the consensus number one for most people. And I'll be curious to know who your number one is. But I want to stay on that topic. And I, start, I want to start with Devontae Smith, right? Uh, he's six feet. He weighed in at 166 pounds very recently in Indy. I, I think he was 170 at his pro day. Uh, now I would bet on him not gaining much weight in the NFL. Like if he was going to gain weight, he might've done so at Alabama for four years. Um, but you know, we've seen the domination he put on display, uh, this past season, uh, and the size is a question, but the, you know, the, and the fact that he didn't break out before the age of 20 is held against him a little bit. Um, so if he dominates in the NFL, he's going to be an exception to, you know, the quote unquote rule. Right. Um, however, he can separate. We know that, right? He can run routes. That's what matters. So I, I, I know that you just tweeted out a couple hours ago. I saw that you, you charted Devontae Smith. Uh, please please tell us what, what you saw from his tape. Yeah, you mentioned it. I think you have to ask the questions about, you know, BMI and weight and everything like that. I think to just brush that stuff off. I, I never want to be that guy where it's just like, just trust the tape and, and, you know, it is what it is. And like, not ask those questions. Those are legitimate, real questions. Uh, in his profile and I'll just say this too about this class as a whole before we jump before we jump all the way in I I think I you know I get it Jamar Chase is the consensus one I don't think there's that big of a of a separation between one two three four and even five like my top five guys in this class I don't don't think there's this giant gap from from Chase to Smith or to Waddle or to a guy like Rashad Bateman, who we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, I think all of these guys are good players, but I don't see any of them as a like I think the idea that the Bengals, for example, would pass up on what you know is their clear screaming biggest need an offensive tackle to take Jamar Chase at five. Like I think if you're going to take a wide receiver at five and pass up a need like offensive tackle, if you're the Bengals, I think you need to be trying to take like a Julio Jones and AJ Green type of prospect. There's a lot to like about Jamar Chase. There's a lot to like about Devontae Smith and, and even Jalen Waddle. I don't know that any of these guys um, would fit into that build, even from just a size speed standpoint, Chase isn't even really that guy, but back to Smith, I think you have to ask questions about, his health, I mean, not his health, like whether he's going to hold up at the NFL level, the size, the BMI, everything like that. You know, it's, it's interesting that we do talk about him from the size standpoint, but he's not the Alabama receiver with an injury history. That's actually Jalen Waddle. Like the, the Devontae Smith, by and large, has held up at the college level. And, you know, obviously a lot of people will come out and ask, well, he's, he's this size. Can he win versus press on the outside? Number one, you have to ask, if any, like how any receiver is going to be able to handle the transition from college to pros in terms of getting off press coverage, you know, the cornerbacks are going to be better at the NFL level. That being said, there's no evidence that Devonte Smith is going to struggle versus press coverage just from what he did at the NFL. I mean, at the college level, he was unbelievable. 78.9% success rate versus press coverage. As you mentioned, I posted that earlier. That's the best score in the class. That's at the 90th, 89th percentile in terms of reception perception history, guys that have been charted college prospects. Like I think he is very much a, don't overthink it separator. Yeah, like I said, do I think he's going to develop into a superstar? I think that's that's questionable, but there's it's really tough for me to imagine him not being a plus starter at the at the NFL level for a long, long time. I, I compare him very favorably to Calvin Ridley, another Alabama receiver that came out a few years ago. And like there are questions about Ridley too, about his size, about his age, about some of his athletic traits, everything like that. 
But Ridley on film, just like Smith, and obviously Smith has been a much more dominant player, played a very different era of Alabama offense. I think they're just don't overthink it type of separators. Like if you can get open like that, you're going to be a productive player in the NFL. And I last note on this entire, um, by the way, like I, I think Smith is better at playing physically, like in the physical game, in, in the uh, contested catch game, in the like playing through power after the catch than Ridley was as a prospect. And, you know, I've been studying wide receivers since 2014, charted over 300 players, like I mentioned earlier. In my research, I found no relationship between weight and ability to separate versus press. If you're small and you have great technique and you have good quickness, you can separate versus press. If you're 6'5 and 230 and you're quick and you have great technique, you can separate versus press. But if you're small and you don't have good technique and you're, you know, you're not a quick twitch athlete, you're going to get jammed on the outside and you're going to have to be a slot receiver. Uh, it, but same goes if you're, if you're six, four and two twenty two. Uh like you're going to have to have that good technique. And Smith has that. It, it just absolutely all through his game. Yeah. I, I think what Smith lacks in weight, he makes up for literally everywhere else. I mean, he is a complete receiver in every type of aspect. I, I'm curious in your experience of charting these guys, if a receiver was to put on weight, let's say Devontae Smith puts on like 20 pounds, would that in your mind affect his speed and affect his playmaking ability? And I know it's different for every player, so it's kind of hard to justify that. But I feel like for a lot of guys, if they don't stay at the weight that they are, sometimes it can affect how they play their game, especially if you're putting, you know, if you're playing with 20 pounds heavier, you're going to move a lot different. So um, I'm just curious if you have any experience on that or, any past examples of guys who have done that and not succeeded? I feel like you see that a lot more at the running back level, right? Like we yeah. always get the off season trope, like Lamar Miller has gained on 10 pounds of muscle and now he's <laughs> going to be able to handle, you know, a full-time workload or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Shout out to all of us goofballs that drafted Lamar Miller way too high in fantasy, like <laughs> over a number of years, I was 100% me. Uh, but I think with these receivers, you know, I don't have any good examples off the top of my head of a guy who like gained weight, um, and I agree too, with the point that, look, if Smith was going to gain weight, he was probably going to do it at Alabama. You know, it's not like he's coming out of West Texas, Southern Christian university or something like that. Some school that doesn't have a proven program. Like if they were going to put 10 pounds on him, they probably could have done it at Alabama. I think you just need to look at him as, as he is what he is. He probably will always play around this weight. Um, that's another thing too. And, and I think, you know, I'm, I hate it when people try to compare themselves to like pro athletes, like, Hey, I tore my ACL and here was my experience. Um, but obviously like I've lost a lot of weight. Uh, it, it, we just talked about this. And again, I'm not Devonte Smith. I'm certainly not Devonte Smith. I'm a lot bigger than Devonte Smith. He's got a lot bigger wingspan than I do. That's another thing about him, man. Like, you know, when we talk about him being small, he's got he's at, like long arms, freaky ability to pluck the ball out of the air. But uh, one thing I can tell you doing a weight loss journey and, and, and going through that whole thing is the, the scale fluctuates. Like maybe he's 160 today. Maybe he's 166 the next day, you know, 170 um, after, you know, the Thanksgiving holiday or something like that. that. That just, that's how weight works. But at the same time, that's why I kind of just try to view him as um, those are questions worth asking, but from a player standpoint, I think he's, I think he's really good. Um, I don't think you have to have him as a wide receiver one in this class. Like with Jamar Chase is the guy there for most people. If you value the speed of Jalen Waddle and like the tactical value that that's going to give you over the clean technical profile of Devonte Smith, and you don't want to make that outlier bet. I totally understand that as well. Uh, but I think it's very hard for me to imagine a scenario where he's not a, a productive player 
for a long time in the NFL. Which is why what what you're you're saying and and you watching this film and understanding how he separates is super important because if you're going by just the analytics, if you're going by just the numbers and by the odds that he becomes this amazing wide receiver, he's not a betting favorite, right? No. Uh, but there are always exceptions, and if anyone is going to be that exception, it seems like he would be that guy, right? Um, now, if you and if you look at his numbers, he was first in the country in yards per route run in 2020. He was second in 2019. Uh, and that's among every single school, not just among the power five conferences. Um, the dude was second in the country in contested catches. Like what you were saying, this little dude was second in the country. Yeah. Right? yeah. 19 insane. end zone targets <laughs> that led the country as well. Uh, well, at least in the power five, and he had the highest percentage of end zone targets of his respective team uh, in the country go his way. Um, and, and some of those end zone catches that he, like those touchdown catches he had in the end zone, back of the end zone, like impressive stuff. So I'm looking forward to him. I was a little low on him, you know, before I started really watching him, you know, in the beginning of the off season, I was just like, you know, looking at his, his weight. I was looking at his, uh, when he broke out and I was just like, man, is this, is this going to work out? But after watching him uh, and after, you know, hearing what you have to say on him, I'm going to be a lot bullish on him uh, in, in, in rookie drafts and all that. Uh, so, so you are team Devante. I love it. Okay. Um, now, I know we took a lot, long time with Devonta Smith, but I think it was necessary. It's one of the most debated yeah. topics when it comes to this draft class. Um, now, Jamar Chase, uh, moving on to him, amazing 2019 season. He opted out in 2020. That led to Terrace Marshall Jr. becoming the guy at LSU this past season. And we'll get to him. Uh, but Chase's 2019 season, it, w- it, was, it was pretty bonkers. Like, he was 19 years old. He had a 30% dominator rating. And, and, and real quick for those listening, I know a lot of people aren't familiar with those terms. So I, I want to quickly explain what breakout age and dominator rating means. And it's pretty simple for, simple for wide receivers. A wide receiver's breakout age is the age at which they have a dominator rating of at least 20%. And what a dominator rating is, is how much of the offense's total production, which can include yards and touchdowns, did that one player contribute to. So the higher a player's dominator rating, the more of the offense's overall production involved that p- particular player for that particular season. So when a player breaks out at either 18 or 19 years old and has early round draft capital, particularly first round draft capital, the hit rate for that group um, has been around 40 to 50%, give or take. And when I say hit rate, I mean becoming a top 24 fantasy wide receiver at some point in their career. Uh, wide receiver one hit rate at about 35 to 40%. And these are numbers I've seen float around, but specifically I, I've seen fellow fantasy nerd uh, Peter Howard's spreadsheets that are compiled from about, you know, with about 15 years of, of data. So it, it's interesting. It's worth taking a look at that, but it's also, you know, obviously there's a lot more fact, other factors that go into it. Um, so those are the numbers um, that, you know, and Jamal, Jamar Chase falls into the category of breaking out at 19 with the 30% dominator rate. Uh, on the outside with tougher matchups while Justin Jefferson was in the slot uh, he's definitely being drafted in the first round top 10 at worst Uh, so that right there gives you some confidence uh, in him being somewhat of a of a home run dynasty pick you know when you compare it to the rest of this draft class so Matt uh, I want to know what you think of of Chase Uh, is he as dominant on the film as the numbers looked in 2019 
Yeah, he's awesome. And I think my favorite part about him is that he's just so clean. Uh, he just does everything really, really well. Um, he gets dinged by some people as a route runner. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. He's not at the level of Devontae Smith. You know, uh, he's not even really like, – I think – a guy like Jalen Waddle in terms of just pure separation against man coverage, like in some of the route technique parts of it, um, you know, you could argue that he's a better, he's definitely a better separator reception perception. Like if you're, if you are a piece subscriber, you go on the, the sortable data tables for college players. Like those guys are, and a few others are going to rank higher than Jamar chase, but he's certainly not at a bad level at all. He's above the average 72nd percentile among college prospects in terms of success rate versus man coverage 76th against press. And as you mentioned, um, also like just as a con, you know, a piece of context too, like we're talking about all of college football, right? Like, it, it, but Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, these guys are going against some of the, like the guys that are going to be drafted in the first round, uh, this year or guys that were drafted in the first round in 2019. Um, you know, I, I'm not nearly as like bullish in terms of the thresholds. Like if you're an NFL player, uh, I can pretty confidently tell you like if they're going to like be a success at some point in their career, if they hit these certain thresholds with college, it's a little more difficult. So I just like to look at it as a, this guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be bad. These were good numbers for Jamar Chase, especially as you mentioned, he's out there as a true X receiver facing a ton of press coverage, a ton of tight man coverage. And where he's best is where it matters most, which is down the field. His route success rate charts, you see that he gets down the field. Uh, he just eats up a ton of ground when he's running these vertical routes. It's so impressive. Um, oh, by the way, deceptively good after the catch. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for how um, explosive he is running through contact, uh, running through ev like evading tackles, and just you know having that pure speed as well. Also, Great 50-50 ball receiver. So, yeah, pretty fun prospect when you can start just checking all of these boxes. Again, maybe he doesn't have that Julio Jones type of ceiling because he's not a freaky athlete. He's not a huge size speed guy. He, I think he came in a little smaller than some people were expecting. I finally settled on sort of a Larry Fitzgerald comparison for him. And, you know, that sounds bad right now because we're thinking like, oh, you know, nearly 40-year-old Larry Fitzgerald who's like basically a tight end for the latter-day Arizona Cardinals. But I I'm thinking more like peak Kurt Warner era Larry Fitzgerald when this guy was like a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And, you know, Fitzgerald could take those – I remember that Super Bowl play that he had against the Steelers where he took that long, long catch and run, just that awesome playoff run from Fitz. I could see Jamar Chase having that type of career. Let's just, for God's sake, hope he plays with better quarterbacks, you know, uh, than Larry Fitzgerald did for a long time. Went through a decent run there at the end of his career. Uh, matched up with Kyler for a hot sec, uh, Carson Palmer, Kurt Warner, but for a long time, a lot of dust there with Larry Fitzgerald's quarterbacks. I hope Jamar Chase finds some better success because I could see him being a similar type of player. Yeah, I agree in the sense that Jamar Chase to me is not like a generational prospect. Um, definitely going to be the first wide receiver taken off the board. It's going to be interesting to see if Cincinnati goes for it. Uh, like you said, I think this offensive tackle class, and you know, we're not here to talk about tackles, but I think this offensive tackle class is actually really strong. So if they yep. did end up taking Chase at five and then, you know, waited to the second round and ended up getting like a Dylan Radunes or um, Jalen Mayfield or someone like that, then I, I, I think it could work out, but Overall, I'm excited to see where Chase lands and the possibilities between Cincinnati. It seems like Miami's in the run for him. Um, Detroit, if he falls far enough, which I don't think he will. So it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. I love the physicality he plays with as well, which I think is a pretty underrated part of his game. 
if you're the Bengals and you do go with Jamar Chase, like I said, I, I wouldn't do it. I think I would take the tackle there sure. because like, it's just such a clear need. Like you're looking at them tweeting out those pictures of uh, of Joe Burrow and with the their New scar in his knee, yeah. And you can see the scar. It's like, come on, take a tackle, right? Like you can't tweet that out and not protect this guy a little bit. I think both of these positions, tackle and wide receiver, there's going to be quality when they come up on their True. next pick. I think if you're the Bengals. You look at it as we have T. Higgins, we have Tyler Boyd. I think long-term those guys are, are really – especially T. Higgins I think can be a really, really, really good number two. But I don't know that he's a true alpha number one receiver. Uh, Boyd I think is just a, a really good slot receiver. So you don't have that number one type of difference maker – um, you're not going to probably get that number one type of difference maker at wide receiver in the second round. So you take Jamar Chase there and you try to figure out like a starting left tackle uh, or right tackle or whatever, wherever you want to end up playing this tackle if you're the Bengals uh, at their second pick. But uh, yeah, it, I think that's maybe the logic that they'd look at it. Yeah, we know that uh, we know who Joe wants the Bengals to take. And that's soul because <laughs> yeah. my man is a Joe Mixon truther. Oh, so yeah. any help that the Bengals can 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 do to help Joe Mixon in any way, uh, he's all about that. I've been on the Joe Mixon train for quite some time now, and I've been getting ripped for it for years. But I think this is the year. I think this is <laughs> this is kind this, of the year, though. This, right? I just wrote about the, I just wrote about this for a piece on Yahoo, like looking at some of the most running back needy teams, and I think I put the Bengals at the very bottom, like the tenth in terms of the top ten most needy teams. Right? Like they could use a better number two. They could use an alternative. But it's kind of set up for Joe Mixon to to this be the year. You know, it's just been sort of a, a bad a bad string of luck with Joe uh, with Joe Mixon there. Now Joe Burrow's healthy. Like Gio Bernard's gone. Hopefully they can throw him the football a little bit more. Yeah, hey, yeah. I don't know if you saw the the picture. Hey Joe, I I, th- I think you need to clip that clip that. Piece yeah, yeah. Right no, there. I'll clip right. that. I'll make sure you just <laughs> put that like on my website front page. Um, and even on that picture where we talk about Joe Burrow with the scar, see who's sitting on that chair, who's sitting on the King's chair with everybody next to him. It was Joe Mixon. So, um, and you know what? Maybe, maybe if they don't draft Jamar Chase, maybe we get to see some Auden Tate action on the other side, winding up on the outside. It's true. Are you it's a fan true. of Auden Tate? I mean, he's not the worst like third receiver in the world. He's flat. He's definitely flashed a little bit. So yeah, they, I, I really just, that's why, again, if I'm, if I'm them, I'm going to pass on receiver at five, but uh, they did, They might not, they might not agree with me on that. And, it, and I feel like part of that too, like for me, like I really don't want the Bengals to take chase. Like I'll understand if they do because of Joe Burrow vouching for him or whatever. Um, but I feel like part of it too, is like, I'm really excited for what this T Higgins, Tyler Boyd duo could look like too, if yeah. they're let alone. Like I'd love to draft Tyler Boyd. I think he's a great target this year. And then T Higgins, if we're getting him in the seventh or eighth round or sixth, seventh, whatever it ends up being, I think it's great value as well. So uh, I'm just excited for that duo and Jamar Chase kind of ruins it in a way, but he has his own individual value. So it's, you know, that's the fun part of fantasy. All right, so Jamar Chase was second in yards per route run in 2019 as a sophomore. And, like, you know, a lot of people, like, if you, you know, if you ask a lot of people, it's like, all right, what was more impressive, right? His sophomore year or Devontae Smith's senior year, right? And who knows what Jamar Chase would have, you know, and if he made it all the way to his senior year, what would he have become, right? Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta talk about, you know, how athletic he, he is in general and whether he would have hit that type of ceiling that Devontae Smith hit his senior year, which was absolutely 
ridiculous. Um, and, and like you said, he was second in the country that year in contested catches. He had the, the most end zone targets. Um, but you know, and I think about him opting out too. And, you know, like, I think the moment he opted out, like that was the moment he started training for the NFL. So I'm excited yeah. to see what he can do uh, in year one. Um, okay. Moving on to, uh, I'm going to move on to Jalen Waddle next. I wasn't going to talk about him next, but we mentioned him a couple of times. Um, so I do want to talk about him now, uh, for me, like, I, I personally don't know what to do with him, you know, because yeah. he's had limited opportunity. Um, you know, he's balled out when he had the opportunity, which is promising. He looks great. Uh, his skills like going deep, might be unlike any other player in this class. Uh, but you know, he broke out at 22. Um, you know, he had some amazing wide receivers, you know, Alabama wide receivers with him, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs all playing ahead of him at times. His injuries didn't help either. Uh, but as far as skills, like no one's catching him in the open field. He showed a lot of promise his freshman year, but, you know, kind of sizzled out in between. Um, what do you make of him, Matt? Like, because I'm trying to really get a feel uh, for where he ranks a- among these wide receivers. Yeah, I wonder if these Bama receivers are going to sort of start to be like the Ohio State uh, receivers were for a few years, where it's like just all the normal rules you got to ha- have to kind of throw out because these offenses are so crowded. Like everybody was out on, like, you know, all the statistical analysis was out on Michael Thomas uh, being a great player because uh, of his stats in college. Ends up being a great player. Same thing with Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuels developed into a pretty good NFL player as well. Um, you know, the, those Ohio State guys were just sort of kind of breaking the mold. I feel like Bama's the same way. It's just such a powerhouse of a school. You know, they, they're just constantly turning out these, these great prospects. And it's like, I don't know, to me, um, I don't hold the fact that, you know, guys like Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy didn't like hit the ground running and become great NFL players. Like, there's still some talk like, well, if, if Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle were so great, they should have been out producing, you know, rugs and, and Judy all along. It's like, that's really just not how it works in, in college football. Like Nick Saban's not there. Like Nick Saban's out there trying to win again, like a, 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 a more games. He's not sitting there like, you know, I don't think rugs is going to be too good with the Raiders uh, as a rookie. So I probably should play Smith. It's just not how it works. So I, I don't know. We might have to start throwing out rules with these Bama guys. I'm a little like back and forth with Jalen Waddle as well. I mean, I think he is a weapon and he gets open. It's not just speed with him. It's, it's timing and technique in his routes too. Like some of his just fast breaks are unbelievable. He has a 98th percentile success rate versus man coverage. Like again, it's not just speed. He gets open. He has, he, I, I doubt that anyone is going to pass him in this particular draft class in terms of guys that have that ability to, to, to separate against man coverage at that level. Like, again, I think Devontae Smith is a better route runner. I think Devontae Smith is, is just a cleaner overall technician and same with Jamar Chase, but um, the speed and the explosive playmaking ability of Waddles, unbelievably impressive. I mean, he, he has like just jaw dropping moments when you get to, when you get to watching him, he, he's unbelievable. And I think the Tyree kill comparisons with him are they're sort of warranted. I mean, it always sucks when it's like, let's compare this guy to the best, one of the best receivers, one of the ultimate outliers. Um, You know, the guy that I think rivals Steve Smith in terms of physicality at the point of the catch, when it comes to smaller receivers, I don't think Jalen Waddle's quite there, but he's at least in the realm of possibility because I think he does run routes at the same level that Tyree kill does. And that's why Tyree kills developed from not just a gadget guy, but into a complete number one wide receiver at the NFL level. The one question I have about Jalen Waddle, 
really low scores against press coverage, lined up in the slot a ton, um, and didn't fare that well when he had to go against that tight physical coverage at the line of scrimmage. So if he's always just a great speed slot receiver, that's fine. Like I actually think that he, in a way, in a way has like a very safe floor. You know, I think he could be a, a Will Fuller type of player, you know, not Will Fuller this past year, but like Will Fuller. And that's why I like, I really want the Cardinals to, to take Jalen Waddle. Cause it's like, just make him the new version of Will Fuller across from Deandre Hopkins. This offense needs, more difference makers beyond just Hopkins and Kyler Murray. I would love to see Jalen Waddle land there because, you know, at, at worst, he's going to be a guy that you have to account for on every single snap because he can take it to the house in a, in, in one second. Um, but what do you do when he lines up across a number, a number one wide receiver, a new Hopkins type of guy that is a coverage dictator in his own right? I think he can put a defense in a bind that way. So I, I hope he doesn't go to a team, you know, like a, like a, I guess in Miami, he would be fun. Like I being across from actual Will Fuller, right? Like that would be a pretty fun uh, duo there. A lot of speed in that receiver core, but you know, a team like uh, Detroit, just off the top of my head, like, no, thank you, please. Uh, for no, right. for a number of reasons, but like they so badly need a number one. Um, I don't know that Waddle's definitely going to be that type of guy, but I think he has a very good floor as a coverage dictating big play number two receiver. Waddle kind of reminds me of like a, like we talked about earlier with Larry Fitzgerald being in the peak of his career. He kind of reminds me of like a peak career like Randall Cobb. And it kind of gives me like Jordy Nelson on the outside and then Randall Cobb in the slot. Like you can't just ignore one or the other. You kind of have to address both. So that's what um, Waddle makes me think of. Uh, yeah, not a lot of production in college. But like you said, with these Alabama players, you kind of just kind of have to put that to the side because – they're going to have two first round Alabama wide receivers like every single year. That's just how it's going to be <laughs> the years to come. So uh, it's going to be interesting. So One of the things with Tyreek Hill too, is how they use him, right? I feel like where, you know, if a team brings him on, you know, using these wide receivers creatively, you know, you know, scheming them open, you know, putting them in space. And, you know, I, I think Alabama did a lot of that with the overall, all of their wide receivers, right. With, they did the same with Devonte Smith as well. Like he caught a lot near the line of scrimmage um, and a lot of his production came that way as well. So um, I think wherever these guys go, you know, Devonte Smith, for example, like if he can't win on the outside consistently in press coverage in the NFL for whatever reason, then like, you know, these, these guys are talented. Yeah, exactly. These guys are talented, right? Figure out how to use their talent. Like you said, hopefully they don't land in a situation where that, that won't be the case, right? Um, Hill's like a 40% slot guy, you know? That's yeah. That's, that's why another reason why, even if he doesn't become Tyree Kill, deploy him tactically in that same way. Um, and it's a nightmare when you get a guy with that kind of speed in the slot because you can't bring your – most number one corners aren't traveling inside with guys. It, it just doesn't really – work work that way like it, it, it's tough I've, I've interviewed a lot of slot corners uh Nikel Roby Coleman infamous Nikel Roby Coleman uh from from that uh Rams uh no call penalty against the Saints but I remember him telling me like it is so we like those slot corners do not get enough credit because like you can get up on these guys as a line of scrimmage but they've got two ways to release so whereas like they don't have the benefit of the sideline like the outside corners can use the boundary in that way um but a guy like Tyree Killer, a guy like Jalen Waddle, you try to press him in the slot, they, they can just go on you, you know, and, and they can run by you. Um, it's it's a tough, tough time. And, and, you know, they're just like a slot corner is no match for these guys. So if Jalen Waddle is a slot player, 
I think that's really good long-term for his, um, for his NFL teams, like tactical value, they're going to get out of that player. Okay. Gotcha. So from a fantasy perspective, uh, I think I'm going to be leaning towards someone like Rashad Bateman. Maybe. I, he, Me too. So he's one of my favorite wide receivers in this class. Uh, and and I, I didn't know much about him, to be honest with you, coming into this offseason. Uh, and, and it's funny. I was watching him, and I'm like, this guy looks like Keenan Allen, like the way he moves yeah. and all yep. that. And, and just his movements. And maybe like he was he was like wearing number 13 also. And, and that could have played uh, made my eyes play tricks on me. And then I saw, like, you know, and I was kind of in my bubble. And then I saw some more comps to Keenan Allen, like outside of me. And it, it wasn't just me. I like this guy. Like he was physical at the catch point. Uh, he, he made nice adjustments to the ball in the air. Uh, Keenan Allen's obviously a bigger guy and his route running is, is impeccable. Uh, but to me, Bateman, and by the way, I only know that because of you. Uh, but to me, Bateman <laughs> <laughs> does have, like, he does have the look and feel of an alpha wide receiver in the NFL. And it would be, it would be unfair to compare uh, any rookie prospect to Keenan Allen's route running and ability to separate. But, but tell me what you, you have seen from Bateman's game. Like, am I looking at, am I, am I looking at the right thing here? Yeah, uh, for the podcast uh, listeners, I'm I'm like smiling over here because maybe it's uh, maybe it's unfair to compare Bateman to Keenan Allen, but I did it too. That's 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 my comparison for him uh, in in the reception perception profile, and uh, I compared. I swear, to- I swear, I, I don't know if you published him yet, but I swear I didn't. <laughs> yeah, see yeah, it. it's up there. No, no, it's no, no, there. no, no oh, all, all good. Hey, there's a lot of content, man. No worries. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not blaming you on that one. But um, <laughs> listen, yeah, I compared him also to another player that I compared to this same. I like to think of wide receivers as archetypes and player access, you know, like on the Keenan Allen access, you know, Rashad Bateman is somewhere there. Um, so is Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'm telling you boys, I'm, I was like, just like banging my head against the wall last year, seeing people compare Justin Jefferson to like Cooper cup or Tyler Boyd. Cause he lined up in the slot and I'm like, I want to put my face through a meat grinder. Uh, sorry. I'm like, I'm calling you guys out unintentionally, but it's like, dude, this guy, Justin Jefferson is so much more explosive, such a better separator versus press man coverage. Just cause he played in the slot does not mean he can't win uh, at OBJ. that level in the NFL. Now, now I know. Yeah. Now, you know, well, now everybody knows. So it's okay. <laughs> um, but like I was, so that was my comparison to Justin Jefferson last year was Keenan Allen and I'm lumping Rashad Bateman right in there with those guys as well. Um, he did come in a little lighter than we expected. That is definitely true. Uh, also battled. I think a lot of people don't realize this. A lot of casual listeners don't realize that he actually battled COVID last year, like lost a ton of weight. Um, I don't know how much of that is still reflected, but it was a, like a, a brutal case uh, for him. So who, who knows, you know, who knows what he's going to play at, at the NFL level, but even if he's a 190, 195, 200 player, I really don't care um, because he can separate at that level. You know, maybe he's not Allen Robinson or Michael Thomas in terms of that size uh, frame level, but man, awesome separator. Uh, 73% against man coverage, uh, 81st percentile against press. I mean, it, when you go back to look at that 2019 film, he looks like a true outside number one X receiver. And, you know, maybe he does, you know, Keenan Allen, another guy that tactically they deploy in the slot a good bit, but I think he could have a Justin Jefferson type of rookie year. Cause you know, for the same reason, like Justin Jefferson could run routes like a pro Justin Jefferson could get open. So can Rashad Bateman. Like I, I there's so many, I, I, I can't like, contain my enthusiasm for this player because he wins at all levels he wins the contested game and honestly probably the most underrated player after the catch in this draft class like 
this guy breaks tackles. You know, when another one of the metrics that I collect in reception perception among all of these route success rates and contested catch rates also chart like how often guys break tackles in the open field, uh, quote, in space, as it's called for the series. Uh, he broke multiple tackles on 17.6% of his uh, in space attempts. Like that's that's the, the top level among receivers that in this draft class so far, you know, especially when you're not looking at the Rondale Moore type of players, man, I, I love this guy. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be a quality starter from day one. Um, I hope for fantasy, like I kind of hope this doesn't happen because they just don't throw the ball enough, but he would be a perfect Raven uh, to me, like someone to get mm. our Jackson, some help over the middle of the field where I think he's best and just somebody to bring some damn physicality <laughs> to that pass catching room. And, and, and have Marquise Brown like as a two instead. Yeah, of one. yeah, I love, I like Marquise Brown, but I, he's a two. He should be a yeah. two. Watkins is at fringe three. <laughs> yeah. With Miles Boykin, emphasis, emphasis on fringe. <laughs> yeah, emphasis on fringe. Um, how, how do you think he would fare in New England? Because I'm a New England fan, and they desperately need a wide receiver. And I think with all the hype with Waddle and Devontae and Chase potentially going early, there's a chance a guy like Bateman might might slip to 15. So, um. I, I, obviously they don't have Julian Edelman anymore. They could use that yeah. next generational slot guy. Nikhil Harry is just, he's just not it. Not um, it. <laughs> which, yeah. which I'm going to be very curious to see uh, if you've had a chance to chart him at all from his rookie season. No, no. no? Okay. But I'm going to, I'm too gonna, many, too many, get, too many guys to get to. Yeah. He's not, yeah. he's not top priority, right? Top priority. <laughs> I'm going to be very curious to see when you do get to that point. I want to know the truth behind the key Harry and why it didn't work out, but um, I'll be interested to see where Bateman lands in that aspect. I, I'm, I'm really excited. I hope he goes to the Patriots. I hope. Yeah. Look, I hate that we're just sending him to all like the most run heavy teams in the NFL <laughs> right now, but um, yeah, I think that he'd be a great fit in New England too. I think Cam has really, you know, just the stars never really aligned with Cam and Carolina. Like right when they finally got some guys like Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and obviously Christian McCaffrey is like yep. a special route runner at running back. They finally get him some guys that get open and his shoulder falls apart. Uh, New England, he's with a cast of characters of guys that can't get open. You know, Bateman can get open. Um, I think that he would actually be like he could be the alpha in that room of a bunch of guys. Like I like Nelson Aguilar in that deep threat role. Uh, I like Kendrick Bourne as like a three, uh, like number three receiver. that's reliable. Like even Jacoby Myers, like has, has flashed contributing ability too, but they really lack an alpha receiver. Um, I mean, for alpha receiver for new, this version of the New England Patriots is like maybe getting 75 targets if they're lucky. So again, for <laughs> fantasy, it would absolutely stink. Um, I'll give one more landing spot too that I think Bateman would make a lot of sense in. And again, it's not the dude. Well, listen, I got I got another guy I want to see in Tennessee, uh, but I'll bring him up a little bit later. But uh, that would be great. That would be awesome for for fantasy. That would be awesome. Uh, this one's not as awesome for fantasy, so I'm sorry, Rashad. We're just you know keep 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 uh, digging the hole here. But Chicago, I think, would make a ton of sense for Bateman as um, a guy that listen can go across from Allen Robinson, can be like a true number two there. They have a speed three in Darnell Mooney, like. Uh, the team is just it just hates Anthony Miller at this point. They just they hate that guy. Um, I like Anthony Miller. I kind of hope he gets traded and he maybe can rehab his career somewhere. But you know maybe it's just never going to happen. Um, I think that Chicago could really tr- like they, they're in a rough spot and re- they're in a rough spot all over the place. But they're in a rough spot at receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if they look at Bateman there in the first round too. So uh, you know the, the charting sounds great. So I'm happy. 
Uh, as far as the numbers go, the dude broke out at 18, some say 19, but whatever. He's it's it's late 18, I think. Dominator rating 13, 30% at 19. So he was he was close to 40% uh, dominator rating, and his lowest ever was 28%. So uh, he it's looking good, you know, in all in all different you know, however you look at him, right? He was third in yard, yards per route run in 2020 uh, out of wide receivers in this class, fifth in 2019. So from what I'm seeing, he has a shot to be a future wide receiver one, uh, or at least is a great prospect coming into the NFL for a lot of different reasons. Um, now, the the four guys we talked about so far, are these four guys in your top five? Yeah, no, no question. Okay. Is one of the Moors last five? The yes. last guy? Okay. Yes. I'm go- okay. I'm gonna take a shot at guessing. <laughs> I, I'm I'm, I'm gonna guess Elijah, Joe. Who, who are you gonna guess, Rondell or Elijah, as his last last one? Uh, I'm gonna guess Rondell because you brought him up before. Uh, I, I missed it. I missed it. Is it Rondell? No, it's it's Elijah. I, <laughs> I brought up I brought up Rondell in passing as a guy that breaks a lot of tackles, but yeah, Elijah Moore, man. Let's just get into him because I I, I I love this guy. Like he, I took like five. I wrote this in uh, his profile on receptionperception.com. It's a great website. People should subscribe. Uh, <laughs> I, it took about five seconds of game film to get the suspicion. Like I'm really gonna like this. Like reception perception is really gonna like this guy because another one just quick separation. Um, and I had so much fun charting him out. Uh, 95th percentile success rate versus man coverage. Uh, awesome separator. And you know the one question with him since I like the player so much I'll start with the big question here is like we don't have much reps at all of him playing against press coverage just 6.5 percent of his sampled routes came against press because he was such a slot weapon for Ole Miss which like Lane Kiffin got in there and was like you you're my guy I don't care how I have to get you the ball I'm getting you the freaking ball you know whether it's out of the backfield as even took like some quarterback snaps as like a wildcat guy Lane Kiffin was going to get that guy the ball. He was absurdly productive in 2020. Um, but most of it came out of the slot. Like at one point they did, uh, South Carolina did put horn on him. Uh, they just, that, like I said, very rarely do you see like number one corners go into the slot, but they were like, this guy's killing us. we got to put him in the slot. And Elijah kind of cooked him a little bit. Uh, like I said, he's a great separator. His, his success rate versus press coverage is very high. 73.67%. He's not a, like Jalen Waddle's a guy that, you know, when he went against press as a slot receiver he struggled against it um elijah moore very very rarely went against press coverage but when he did see it he was awesome which kind of gives me the hope that he can maybe be like a 50 50 guy um the comparisons that i gave for elijah moore uh my most like sacrilegious comparison is i I do think there are some shades of antonio brown in his game i know some others have brought him up as well but i'm talking like the way like early career Antonio Brown before he became legitimately like a hall of famer and then became like legitimately a crazy person uh, for a minute there too. (laughs) Like early career Antonio Brown, like the way that he plucks the ball out of the air, like with one hand and immediately transitions to a yards after catch threat. That's very AB like Um, Elijah. Also just the way he shuffles his feet at the top of his routes to gain that quick and easy separation. uh, That's very AB like, but maybe more from a conservative angle, I think he could be a Tyler Lockett or a Doug Baldwin type of player, like maybe a mostly slot guy, but someone that's not just, you know, a pop gun, uh, Jamison Crowder slot receiver, but like a true vertical weapon from the slot. I think Elijah could be that guy. I, I love him. I, I think, listen, like I said, there, I don't think there's as big of a gap as like consensus would have you think between the Jalen Waddle tier and the Elijah Moore tier. I, I love this guy. I hope he goes, 
he's the guy that I would love to see reunite with another Ole Miss guy in AJ Brown uh, down there in Tennessee. I think that would be a okay. fun combination because Brown is that alpha X receiver outside wins at all levels, beats up on press coverage. Uh, then you get Elijah Moore as your flanker, sort of almost honestly like the, the like the Falcons when they brought in Calvin Ridley. It was such a perfect landing spot for Calvin because they could yeah. develop him slowly as a slot flanker hybrid that one deep, but also one short. And, you know, now it looks like that tide is turning um, between who's the top receiver in Atlanta. I don't think that's going to happen because A.J. Brown is still young and in his prime, but like they could get two guys that are, you know, a one, a one B combination if more develops as well. Yeah. Especially with all the vacated targets they have with John leading Corey Davis leading, uh, I know Humphreys. They have nobody. Go. They have nobody. Yeah. Tennessee is in <laughs> as rough a shape outside of like, yeah, they have, I think a legit elite receiver in AJ Brown. That's how I view him. Right. I think everybody's going to be kicking each other to get, get AJ Brown on their fantasy teams this year for good reason. Cause he's a stud and they have so much volume available and, and they probably will have to throw the ball more because they'll, their defense is, and is like, I mean, that is like not an NFL secondary. That is like an expansion level <laughs> secondary that they're sporting there in Tennessee. But give me a break with this Josh Reynolds thing. Like, no, there's yeah, nothing no. about Josh Reynolds that's like, oh, he deserves a promotion to be the number two receiver in Tennessee. No. Reminds me a lot of like Tajay, you know, tides the bind here, uh, here with uh, with Tennessee. But it reminds me of like when Tajay Sharp went to Minnesota last year. Yep. Like, well, I guess he's going to be their number two receiver uh, across the matter. No, they're going to draft somebody. I think the Titans draft somebody as well. Right. I just can't help it. No, I just can't help but think that DK, AJ Brown, and Elijah Moore were all in the same like place at the same time, which is nuts. Because if that happened in the NFL, if you had DK and AJ Brown (laughs) and then Elijah Moore in the slot, that would be absolutely nuts. And when AJ Brown and DK Metcalf left, Elijah Moore was still 19 and he had a 45% dominator rating after these, these guys left. Like he, like you said, Matt, he, he, he was the guy, right. And he had some serious production um, second in contested catches. Like, and yeah, at, at his size, you know, it, it, it was super interesting. And as a slot wide receiver too, uh, targeted downfield more than I thought, you know, he would have, um, he was top 10 in air yards uh, as a slot receiver, fifth in 20 plus yard catches, fourth in deep ball yards, meaning, you know, as far as like targets of 20 plus yards in the air. Um, and then among those 20 plus yard receptions from the slot, he was second in both catches and yards. Um, second in the country behind Devontae Smith in yards per route run among wide receivers in this draft class. So open field ability, dynamic. Um, I, I, I like this dude too. Um, and if he's going to play the slot, I feel like he's going to dominate. Um, and he could probably dominate like in his rookie year if he gets – uh, you know, like the, one of these starting slot roles. Um, By the way, that, uh, I, I, I just want to say I'm really excited yeah, for before. Anthony Ferkser to get that 100 targets next year. <laughs> I, was, I, I was excited for like I was I was honestly excited for uh, for AJ Brown to get like 180 targets this year. Like I, I was I was all about that. But hey, um, I'm down for that too. If that's where it's gonna go. Matt, uh, we're hitting up on an hour right now. Um, we have a couple guys more to talk about, but I want to know, like, are you are you at, like a hard stop, or can do you have another fifteen? Um, yeah, let's, we I, can go. We can do another fifteen. Let's just. Uh, okay. you know, I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to not blab on and on. 
Uh, now, sure, that no, yeah. uh, now that we're through my two like favorite guys, yeah. with Bateman and Moore, we'll go, we'll go pop. We'll go, you know, slander the rest. Of this there's there's <laughs> definitely good. guys that do want to know about like Kadarius Tony and uh, right. I think Kadarius Tony's a huge one, but we'll get to him. But I just want to make sure we talk I, to that guy. I, I, I think so a couple cool. guys like I think I think we'll hit on like Rondale Moore, Terrace Mar- uh, Terrace Marshall. And those two guys, Amari Rogers and Kendarius Tony. I think those are the main guys, I think. So um, as far as Rondell Moore goes, dude broke out at 18 with a 30% dominator uh, rating. Um, so, you know, I, and, and a lot of people get these two guys confused, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. Uh, different players, similar size. Rondell's a little shorter. Uh, but the, have, have you, have you, what have you seen from him? Uh, and obviously, the, both these guys played in the slot primarily, by the way, uh, almost yeah. exclusively. Yeah, I think that more oh Elijah Moore. That's going to be tough. Elijah Moore is like definitely the the, the more same freaking more a lot, but like he he's the more <laughs> complete route runner. Uh, he showed a lot more down the field potential. Rondell Moore's fun. He's a tough like projection. I feel like it's gonna. This is such a cop out take, but it's just going to be so landing spot dependent with him. Like I could see some team just having no idea what to do with him. Uh, but I also see like sort of a souped up golden Tate type of player. Cause he's physical. He's tough. Um, he's not at all, um, you know, a, a finesse runner in the open field. Not a, like there's some, some, some moments where you see him really deal with tight physical coverage uh, that you see him win those routes. And uh, those are good moments that like, maybe he could become that golden Tate type of player. Um, you know, never, never a true outside receiver, never really a number one guy, but a player that, you know, you, you see a lot of fun moments with. Um, I like Rondale more. I want to see him go uh, to the right spot. That's, that's going to really be what moves the needle for me because you know how it is with these guys. Like Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, I do think are very separate because Rondale, I just don't have that same sort of catalog of like, look at him running all of these pro style routes. You do have that with Elijah Moore, even though he's doing it from the slot. With Rondale, it's just like, is he going to get with the team, you know, that has some knucklehead at offensive coordinator that doesn't know what to do with the guy, or is there going to get with the, you know, a spot with a creative coach that can make the, make the most of him? That's, I think, yeah, the big question. Yeah. It was a little, it, I didn't know what to make of him because a lot of his routes were a lot of underneath stuff, like after the catch type of stuff. Um, didn't really yeah. see too much intermediate, deep, deep routes. So, uh, you know, I wasn't sure really what to make of him. Uh, you know, apparently he might have some potential there, but, 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 but we'll see. Um, I think you also, uh, I could see him becoming a running back too. Like, you know, right, like, a right, third, right. like a third down back type of guy, you know, um, think, think like James White, but, like a rocked up version of, of that. I could, I could see it, you know, I could see him becoming that type of guy. Uh, you know, if, if a team just doesn't want to bother wasting their time developing his route tree and just wants to get him. And actually that like, wouldn't be so bad for fantasy, right? Like if his team wanted to use him in all these different ways, but that's what I'm saying. Like I want to see him get with the team. that's going to have a creative open mind to approach to him. Right. Right. Um, okay. I want to hit on Terrace Marshall. Uh, he was able to take advantage of that vacated opportunity left by both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Good size, 6'2", 205, broke out at 19. Um, you know, fourth in contested catches in 2020. Uh, he has good me- measurables. I was looking at his player profile and measurables, you know, pretty good. Now, when I watched him, like nothing really wowed me. Like maybe it was yeah. him making things look easy. Like I couldn't really tell. Uh, I, I might not have that trained eye. I just know that he has good size. He's fast. He can do some things. Uh, he did take over that slot role that Justin Jefferson had. Um, was primarily on the outside before that. What do you make of Terrace Marshall? 
yeah, I, I see that like sort of parallel too with Justin Jefferson, where Jefferson played a lot of outside receiver too before kicking into the slot for that major LSU year in 2019. Um, but I, I like Terrace Marshall. I was a little skeptical because I, I'm always like these big athletic guys, like can they run routes? I think there's some really undersold technical parts of his game that don't get talked about enough. I think what gets talked about a lot is his athleticism and his ability on contested catches. Uh, my buddy, Josh Norris, who just started, you know, a new show underdog fantasy uh, over there he used to be at Roto world being RIP Roto world. <laughs> tough <laughs> scene, tough scene. Uh, but you know, it, he, he compared him to Chris Godwin in that way that, you know, I don't, I, I was a bit, I was so big on Chris Godwin when he came into the league, you know, he was a big reception perception. One of those 2017 classes, uh, that I like class guys that I actually enjoyed charting that right. year uh, was Chris Godwin. Uh, but I thought Godwin was much more pro ready, but I could see be, I could see that similar path for Terrace Marshall, because I think he's better against press than people give him credit for. Uh, and I think he's better on those in breaking routes. I, I would take a chance on him early round two uh, for sure. I, if I'm the Ravens, it's not the type of guy that I'm going. I know he gets marked, mocked there a lot. I think they definitely need a Rashad Bateman type, but you know maybe Terrace Marshall's a, a decent consolation prize. Yeah, and um, Marshall also has dealt with a lot of injuries, including um, he's got a That's broken true. fibula, dislocated ankle, a foot fracture, and then he opted out of the remaining uh, 2020 season. So, um, yeah, he, he's got a lot of injuries under his belt as well. Just want to throw no. that out there. Now, uh, with with uh, with Terrace Marshall, I feel like it's one of those things where like he's kind of in the shadow of these other guys, these other LSU guys, um, and that's kind of like part of the reason why a lot of people are sleeping on him a little bit. Um, so it, it's interesting that you say that he he does have some technical ability to his game. Um, so uh, do you see him as a potential one in the NFL? Does he have that? Uh, in him or do you see him more uh, as a two and maybe not on the same technical level as these other guys odds are he ends up being a really good two but I think there's a chance I think there's a chance for him to develop into a one because of the athletic ability molded into uh, some of the technical understanding that he showed in 2020 I I was really impressed with him and the more I went I just wanted to I just want to note too that Chris Godwin thing. Like, if you paid attention, Adam Humphreys when he left in free agency, you would have known if you were following Matt Harmon stuff that you know Chris Godwin was legit and he wasn't just one of the wide receivers in Tampa. Just want to mm-hmm. throw that out there. And then after that, <laughs> every year it's this is this year's Chris Godwin. This is this yeah, year's Chris yeah, Godwin. Yeah. He's like he's so good that he's become a mold. You know, exactly. like that's when you know you. That's when you know you're good. Exactly. <laughs> on top of that. Now, imagine a world where Detroit, if Jamar Chase is no longer available, they wait until the beginning of round two, and then they select a guy like Terrace Marshall. Would you like that type of fit for him? Yeah, because I think it's a it's a chance for him to be a one yeah. um, eventually. Uh, it's just, God, it just seems tough sending anyone to Detroit right now. But they, they literally have – I joked yeah. about Tennessee having an expansion-level uh, <laughs> wide receiver room. The, the Lions had to sign a uh, damn Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman just to field an NFL quality roster. Uh, not a good, not quality as in like they have a quality roster. I mean, like they're passable NFL <laughs> level of players there. They could, they, they really are a, tr- a spot where, and you know, Jared Goff gets a lot of crap and I've given Jared Goff a lot of crap, but he, he's at least like not, he's at least he can be average so it's not the worst landing spot for a guy like Terrace Marshall especially because they're going to stink and they're going to throw the ball a lot yeah and they can lean on TJ Hawkinson too so that's true 
Uh, one guy, a lot, not a lot of people are talking about, uh, before we get to Mario Rogers and Kadarius Tony is Diami Brown. Um, I, I feel like he is someone who has good size. He played on the perimeter. He broke out at 19, a lot of downfield targets, a lot of contested catches. Um, I feel like he knows how to track the ball deep. Um, I, I get a good feel. Like when I watch him, like certain guys, I just get a good feel. Like, I feel like he runs routes. Well, I'm not an expert there. I, I defer to you, sir. Uh, what have you seen out of him? <laughs> yeah, my, my two guys that are like kind of underappreciated in this class are Deami Brown and Amon, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. And they're totally different guys. But um, Brown is his profile is already up on receptionperception.com. And like I compared him to the type of player that Will Fuller doubt, doubters thought that Will Fuller would become in the NFL, which is a guy that has a limited deployment level. Um, he only lined up on one side of the field in college, only lined up uh, on that one on the uh, outside left position on 92.7% of his sampled snaps from 2020. Um, but in that role, really good. And not running a ton of routes either, by the way. Like, I mean, we're talking about slants, curls, goes, that's it. Like, you're not a ton of uh, digs, not a ton of like those, um, you know, not a ton of those like deep corners, the flats breaking to the outside. It's mostly just those routes over and over again. So I think there's some development there, but he gets downfield. He wins uh, in the deep game. I, I really like him as a, as a sort of second to third round type of guy that could develop into a big play weapon in the NFL. I think he can win in more spots than just being in that one side of the field. We just don't have a lot of, um, a lot of samples of him doing that, but it does drop the ball a lot. I'm not a big drops guy, uh, but man, he makes a lot of mistakes. And like the thing that bothers me about the one thing that bothers me about him is like, he compounds those mistakes. Like when he drops one, he drops two, he drops three, you know, there are some games where they just come in bunches. That's where that like Will Fuller doubter compare. Cause people thought Will Fuller was going to have drops problems coming in the NFL. He really hasn't at this point. He's been a pretty clean, actually one of the best contested catch receivers in the NFL is Will Fuller. Doesn't get a lot of credit for that, but yeah, I, I think right. I like Brown as a developmental big play guy. Um, I think he gets kind of overlooked also tough too. Like he, he's a pretty rugged player. Uh, in the open field, it blocks a lot too for those uh, two stud running backs there in UNC. I, I like this guy a lot. I think he gets underappreciated. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, so for some reason, I put Amari Rodgers and Kadarius Tony in the same bucket. I mean, I feel like there's a few things that kind of they're, they're similar with. It's just how my brain works. Um, another two slot wide receivers, uh, two guys who broke out at 21 years old a little bit late you know when, when you consider um you know what these metrics mean uh but rogers he played with justin ross he played with t higgins uh didn't do much while they were at clemson but was able to finally be the guy in 2020 uh still only had a 23 percent dominator rating it's good but not overly impressive uh but he's a guy i i don't have like really po positive vibes on like for me he just didn't stand out to me when watching him, I just keep kept thinking, oh, that was a nice throw by Trevor Lawrence. And I feel like as a senior <laughs> with Trevor Lawrence, like maybe he could have had a better year as a senior. Maybe that's a bit harsh. Uh, what have you seen when you, when you look at uh, Rodgers? Yeah, I feel like he'll be a solid but unspectacular pro. Like it would take a lot for him to be a high-end fantasy contributor. But I do think he's a good – like I think he'll be a good draft pick. I, I like his ability to get open against zone coverage, potentially be an inside receiver. Um my guy Sterling Shepard, it's never really kind of come together for him um, in the same – in that explosive way. I could see 
Rodgers having that type of career, like better NFL player, like Sterling Shepard's a good NFL receiver, just never right. going to happen really for fantasy in terms of that big high end potential because you're just not going to funnel your offense through that type of player. Also, he's played with, you know, Daniel Jones. Give me a break. That's a whole nother discussion. But like I, I could see Amari Rodgers having that type of career where he's a better NFL player than fantasy player. And I, I am a big fan of Rodgers as like a later round guy. Like you said, I don't, I'm not expecting anything huge out of him. I just love the fact that in March of 2019, uh, Rodgers tore his ACL and then came back after six months. Yeah. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. Uh, and he's built, he's a big boy. He's like, I think when I saw last, I saw his weight, he's like 210, 211 yeah. for a five, nine receiver, which is like almost twice of Devontae Smith. Not really, but like point being, <laughs> he could take the hits that Devontae Smith can't. So uh, to have over a thousand yards, it'd be very interesting to see where he lands. One of my favorite players. So I'm glad you had some good words on him. Uh, another guy. <laughs> What's wrong for us? No, nothing. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> Kadarius Tony. I definitely want to hear about before we run out of time. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on Kadarius Tony. And I know I'm stepping on your toes for us. I'm taking no, over no. the podcast. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I have no idea um, with Kadarius Tony, man. I, oh, geez, it's tough. Like, I, I think he is, he's really good after the catch, right? Explosive, wins some, you know, he plays pretty physical. Just, he's just not a route runner, like at all. And, you know, like, I, I'm not talking like, okay, he's a college prospect. Like, you can teach that up a little bit. I'm just like, he's out there doing just whatever, man. And like I could see him get, I'm, I just not really run around. So like this is it's it's weird. His his reception perception sample. I don't want to like spoil it too much uh, for when it hits the site, but check it out. It's gonna be weird. Uh, I don't, don't really know. What to, I just don't really know what to do with this guy. Like I think he could maybe he could be a Debo Samuel type of player. Like you know Debo runs, but I feel like Debo is much better downfield. Like you know yeah. not just the, the light sprinkling that you get out of Debo and those like deep posts to deep digs. If Samuel can become, I mean, if uh, yeah, I just call him that. If Kadarius Tony could could develop on those routes a little bit, he could be that type of player. But again, that's going to take the right coach, the right quarterback. Because like I could easily see Kadarius Tony. This is totally narrative driven, but like I could totally see him getting with a with a quarterback that like just hates him. You know, like think of think about him with Tom Brady. Tom Brady would 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 have this guy like marched off the field in a second. Like Peyton Manning. Like Peyton Manning wants you to be at this spot at this time when I throw the ball. Kadarius Tony's like freaking three steps behind because he's he's doing all these weird jukes and stuff in his route. I don't know, man. He's a tough he's a tough player. I don't mind him. Like I'm I'm not out on Kadarius Tony, but he he's not like I see some people put him in the first round. I, I wouldn't put him there. I, I definitely did not watch nearly as much film as you, but call me crazy. This dude just falls on his routes. Just yeah, like out of nowhere. He's, well, because he's doing so much. Like he's <laughs> I just don't know that he has like a plan all the time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm like, what was the, what was the plan on that? Weird, weird player. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see that profile. I, 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 I'm, I'm really curious because yeah, like he's, he's, I don't even know if raw is the word. Like, is he raw as a route runner? No, because I, I don't know if he, if he routes these, if he runs these type of routes that, that he's going to need to in the NFL. Now he's athletic as hell. Right. Um, and maybe he could be molded into something and get, yeah. get that fixed. Um, so he might have that ability because of how athletic he is, but at the same time, you know, 
when he gets into the, at the NFL level, he might need to have a lot more polish to his game um, than he, than he showed. I mean, he was a quarterback in college. I mean, high school, right. Uh, he was like a gadget player for his first three seasons, uh, you know, at, at college. And then his last yeah. season, he all of a sudden became a wide receiver. So, you know, weird player. We should have expected. kind of where I'm at. Like I said, weird player. Um, I like Rondell Moore better than Kadarius Tony. I know Rondell Moore's like yeah. best season was a hundred years ago at this point. Uh, <laughs> And Kadarius Tony's best season is his most recent season. But, like, I, I, I don't know. I think if I'm, like, just in a vacuum, I got to take one or the other. I'm, I think Rondell Moore is just as explosive and just as, like, you know, potential win in the athletic side of things. Um, then same with Kadarius Tony. Like, I don't know. I just – I think Moore has more upside there. Okay. Okay, good. Um, okay. So, I, you know, I don't even want to ask you if, if I'd missed anybody. I don't because I want people to go check out Reception Perception. Matt, I, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for going overtime as well. No um, I, I think you, you brought amazing value to our listeners and to us as well. I'm, I'll be listening to this again myself uh, to go over the nuggets you brought up tonight. And, and guys, I'm telling you, like, please check out Reception Perception at receptionperception.com, right? So much easier to say now, yeah. Yes. Okay. Support this man and his product. There's nothing like it in the, in, in the industry. And it's legitimately going to help you find that wide receiver talent. Like we've been talking about this during this podcast when most people don't know that it's there. It's really that simple. Uh, it's legitimately going to give you the upper hand. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, oh but you, you can find Matt mostly on Twitter uh, at Matt Harmon uh, underscore BYB. Uh, keep up to date with all his current wide receiver charting that he's doing, all the analysis that comes with it. So thank, thank you once again, Matt. Appreciate it, guys. This was fun, awesome conversation. Really looking forward to where these guys are going to land so we can really plant some flags here in the next couple weeks. For sure, for sure. Joe, do you have any parting words? Uh, I just want to thank everyone who tuned in. But Joe, you have the floor, man. No, awesome. I really appreciate you having you on. Um, I just kind of messed up my words. It's getting late over here. <laughs> But, yeah, you guys, uh, are, you guys are way past, uh, way past, way past your bedtime over there. Come on, <laughs> I'll be up for another hour. Don't worry, I'll be looking at some Kadarius Tony film. <laughs> Count the amount of times he falls down. Watch yeah. fall all over the place. <laughs> but yeah, again, appreciate you having you on. Um, you know, hopefully we can squeeze you in again before the season starts. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that. But best of luck. Congrats again on the engagement. Thank Make you. sure you guys go check out Reception Perception. It's it's looking good. I, I haven't bought my subscription yet, but that's the first thing I'm going to do tomorrow. And I make nice. sure I go in and look at all those players. So really yeah, appreciate no, having good. one. So again, Matt Harmon underscore BYB on Twitter, receptionperception.com. I'm at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Joe is at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Stay well, everybody. See ya. <laughs>